Bible lesson tonight, the fourth chapter. I'm going to skip a few verses as I will also read from another translation, but let me read verses 1 through 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Skipping to verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine wherein thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Verse number 10, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Then he, then he makes a declaration. And these next five words is what we will launch our lesson. I said, these things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by the prophecy with the laying on hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear you. And I'd like to teach tonight on keeping the church strong. Keeping the church strong. Savior, we ask you to have your way in the word of God tonight. Bring it fresh and anew to our hearts and our minds that we may be what you want us to be, that we would fulfill your plan in the earth today. Cleanse us, wash us, and make us right but never forsake us and keep the church strong, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Reading from another translation, it said, The Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars these liars have lied so well and for so long that they've lost their capacity for truth. You've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there and you'll be good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Get the word out. Teach all these things, and don't let anyone put you down because you are young. Teach believers with your life by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Stay at your post, reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching, 
And that special gift of ministry you were given by the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and in use. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you, and they'll see your maturity right before their eyes. Keep a firm grisp, gr a grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. The words that I am going to launch our lesson tonight on these things, command and teach, was made afresh and anew to me this week as I read some statements that is going on in our world. <clears throat> if the church is to remain strong, there are some principles of life and godliness that must remain with us for us to remain as a strong church. There was something a few years ago that was called mass mobs. It was started by a group of Catholics that borrowed the idea of flash mobs for mass mobs. The idea was in churches that had no longer good attendances that they would spread the word on social media. They would pick out a church that no longer was having good attendance and they would have mass mobs show up for mass in those localities. It's interesting to note that some churches had been long and old and now were losing their attendance. So St. Florian Church in Hamtrak is an eight-story red brick church building built in 1908 by the Polish families who flocked here to work for Dodge and Ford and Packard. It seats 1,500 people. On a recent Sunday, they decided to attend there because the last year or so, there's only 200 people in attendance in that 1,500 seat auditorium. They decided that they would do mass mobs. What was interesting is they thought that they could rekindle the church attendance by just flooding social media. We're all going to meet at this particular church and uh, we're going to fill it up, revitalize it. The trouble was the next week, the next few weeks, they would be at different churches doing the same thing, leaving the church only to have its few congregants. One 80-year-old woman who attended one of the such churches, it used to serve 800 families, not just people, but 800 families. And now on Sunday morning, there's only 50 people that show up. And the mass mob, which was having a mob show up for mass, had not worked. It made attendance at one time, and they were gone on to other things and other churches and other buildings trying to trying to incite, excite a group of people that were no longer attending by showing up and making them feel like suddenly they have a time of worship. And as, I, as I read that, it, it troubled my spirit because if we're not careful, the whole Christian world has gone that way. 
They're now in that same general area in those states. There's some 100 churches that's already closed their doors. Now, I know that we are apostolic, and I know what we believe and stand for, and, and church is different with us than it is with a lot of churches because we believe in church in a different way than they do. But the sad part about it is good people that have been good moral people are no longer having that moral guide taught to them. And so as I began to ponder these things, I realized there must be a big difference between us and the world. There has to be a big difference between us and the religious world. We have to recognize that we have more than just church attendance. It's good to go to church, yes. It's great to attend church somewhere. But that's not all there is to going to church. That's not all there is to having a great church. For truth must be preached. There must be something that is demanded and commanded. And I'm going to try to close in a few minutes with many of the verses that have that word in it, command, that is not very well liked in our world today. Because really the core problem has started in kindergarten, it starts in our schools, it starts in our homes, it starts in our reading material, where rebellion, disobedience, is the prophetic fulfillment of scripture even today, that children would be disobedient to parents and we live in a society where patriotism, honor, and respect are no longer taught. They're teaching you how to be sexual. They're teaching you how to be worldly. They're trying to figure out how to get into the minds of children early in life to make them tolerant of everything that is wrong and evil and intolerant of things that are right. And that's the world we live in today. But I think that the Apostle Paul seemed to know a little bit about this day when he said in these passages of scriptures that I've read to you that there's something about the manner of life that you live and the example that you live to others that should be a real dominating force in your life to affect other people so that other people can see that there is more to church than just church attendance. There is a lifestyle there is a message that is preached that is not just preached and forgotten, but it is a command from the Word of God for us to be what we are and to teach our children what we are. We're not to blend in with the rest of the world and look like the world. We are to be a peculiar people, not a gazing stock. We don't preach that you have all your clothes to your ankles and all your clothes to your wrist and cover your eyes and only have little slits left in them to see. We don't teach it that way, but we do teach a separation from the world and a modest approach to holiness. And that means a moderate approach. That means that sleeves should be to the elbows and dresses should cover the knees when you sit down. And I've seen a whole lot of things that's not the best of late because somewhere you forget the reason that you do wear your clothes that way, not so tight on men and women and not so loose that everything is loose or lost. But you wear them in a godly way that, that, 
doesn't produce lust and doesn't produce perversion, doesn't produce a sinful life. And yet, if we're not careful, the things that we try to command and teach, the generational that we, the generation that we live in today rebels against that word command. And so when there is a command made, we say, well, that doesn't matter to us because we're living in 2019. Things are different now, but it's not different. The Bible is still the Bible. It's still right. It still has to be preached. It still has to be commanded. And so Paul was letting us know that if the church is going to be strong and that you're going to survive the world and the effects of the world on people, the church needs to stay with what it was taught and stand strong on separation from the world. We don't like Hollywood because it has produced a society today that has no real sensitivity any longer. They have seen so much murder and so much bloodshed and so much perversion and so much divorce and all that goes on in the Hollywood scene that has changed the very makeup of our world. So we still stand against movies uh, and things that corrupt the minds of America. I, I mentioned not long ago, and I read the book many years ago by Bruce Hershenshawn, who made the remark that wars and nuclear war can scorch the body, but he said television in Hollywood can scorch the mind. And that was not an apostolic that made the remark, nor was he an apostolic that wrote the book. There's another book called The Gods of the Antenna or The Plug-In Drug. Several articles and several books are written on that. And so if we're not careful because of the availability of, of certain items in the Internet and what have you, that we lose what we have set up as a guard or a fence against things in our home. And if we're not careful, we're no longer the church that we should have been. These things, he said, command and teach that by your life and your example and way, the way you live, you can affect other people. Have we lost the ideal that other people will look at us and say they must be a Christian and we're ashamed to be associated with that lifestyle? I say the church to be strong, we still ought to be dressing right, talking right, living right, and doing what's right. There has to be a difference in us and the church, uh, us and the world. The, the, the church cannot prosper just by attendance. Yes, it's important to be here. Yes, it's important to be a part of it. But there must be something in preaching that gets into your spirit that changes your life, your lifestyle, your attitude. Uh, that's what preaching is all about. We don't preach a prosperity doctrine because it hasn't worked. We're still poor. Not many wise, not many noble among us, Paul said. Prosperity doctrine only works for the prosperous. But we're here because we love God more than anything in the world. We're here because we have a lifestyle that is conducive to godliness and holiness and righteousness. If we want a strong church, we got to believe that the word of God says. And when it's commanded, we believe it and we live it. We don't ignore it and walk away from it, but we live it. Everywhere we are, we live it. Something, something about the day that we live in today is, well, we want to look right when we dress up for particular things, but it doesn't matter at other times. 
It's a sloppy generation. They started out with casual Fridays, and they, they discovered that when they had casual Fridays that people were really casual, not just in their dress, but in their work habits. You see, the attitude that you develop by your persona or what you are really plays out in how you live and what you are portrayed as. I've used this little part before, and I'll just briefly touch on it tonight. But there is an aura that is around everybody. Everybody has a certain amount of aura or expression or feeling that goes beyond the body. When you walk in the presence of some people, you just sense something, good or bad. You sense something. And when you sense something bad, you get out of there. You don't stick around. That's what one of the gifts of the Spirit is discerning of spirits. Not discernment of spirits necessarily, but discerning of spirits. Too many people try to figure, well, I, I, I have a discernment. I know, how to, I know what you're thinking. No, it's discerning the spirit of the environment you're at. You walk into a place, a home, a relative, or a friend, and the atmosphere is just not exactly the way it ought to be, and you feel it in the air. You feel that aura that's there, and it's not really wholesome. And then they try to get you to shoot up, snort up, drink up, or do some other stupid thing, and you're pretty soon caught up in it. The best thing to do is walk away when you've sensed that. Don't wait on them to run you off or don't wait on them to bring you into their fold. Say, listen, I am a Christian. I am an apostolic. I stand for truth. I stand for righteousness. I stand for separation from the world. I want to be what God wants me to be. I don't want what the world wants me to be. I want what God wants me to be. So the Bible said these words said them that sin before all, rebuke before all, that others may fear. Not long ago, Pastor made a remark to an individual. Was he ready to make a statement to the church? And he stood up, and we thought, well, maybe we had made some accomplishments. And then uh, he got up and turned around and walked out. Well, I saw him the other day. And he came up to me, and he wanted to apologize to me. I said, no, that doesn't work. You have to apologize to the church for what you did. Listing things, talking about things, running the church down. And, and I'm not trying to say that we're insensitive people that can't take a little rebuke. We take it all the time. As Christians, we are a rebuke. But we need to recognize that when somebody's asked to do something for righteousness' sake, we do it for righteousness' sake. These things command and teach. I charge thee there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Here's another verse of Scripture, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, and in patience. This is what he was saying. These things command and teach. Command that your men are sober and grave and temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women. This is Bible in case you haven't read it lately. 
This is what the apostle was trying to accomplish when he said, there's just some things you've got to command and teach. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient to their masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again or not arguing back, not prolonging or showing all but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us, hallelujah, somewhere there has to be an instructive part of our life that others can see. Now, the reason I'm teaching this tonight is if we are not careful We'll let things slide and slip because we maybe haven't heard it preached. Do we have to preach everything over and over all the time to get somebody to believe what we are? Why is it that we as apostolics tend to drift away from what we really believe and fall into the rut of other denominational failures when we have the truth? We still baptize in Jesus' name. We still teach repentance of sins at an altar. We have, we have Kleenexes at the altar. There's a reason we have Kleenexes on the altar. It's not because everybody has a cold. It should be those that are cold can repent. <laughs> we still believe in repentance because repentance is a way of life. Repentance, every one of we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us has sprouted wings. None of us are angelic. Maybe some of us are angelic. Some of the third that was kicked out of heaven. We're not angelic. But I know one thing. I can be close to God when I say, forgive me of my sin. I can be close to God when I say, I want to be right with you, Savior. I can be close to God when I allow the Word of God to get in my spirit. We are not a denomination. We don't belong to the denominal world. We belong to a fellowship. We belong to a ministerial fellowship that produces missions abroad and all the things that a lot of denominations try to do. But the reason we're not a denomination is we don't have anything from headquarters telling us what to preach. I didn't get a call from some city today telling me, okay, this is, this is August the 6th and this is what you're going to preach because every preacher across America is going to be preaching this message today. No, no. We listen to the Holy Ghost because there may be somebody in this audience right now that doesn't understand what apostolics are all about. I'll tell you what we're all about. We're about being right with God, not society. We're not politically correct. 
We're not worldly correct. We're godly people. And this is what we have to produce in a church to keep it strong. Two minutes. There, there is, there's 23, if I remember the figure right now. I haven't talked about this in a while. But there was 23 churches of a particular denomination from Bakersfield and Modesto that was for sale a while back. And we might have a chance to get back at one that we were trying to buy in chapter. So just pray about it. Who knows what God's going to do. But the trouble with those churches, they lost their congregations. We went into one of those churches and they left so fast. They left all of the vestments and all of the things right there in the church. It just scattered around and they, they left so fast because nobody was there to take care of it. God forbid the day that we would lose our congregation on this beautiful building, a beautiful piece of property because we no longer stood for truth. I'll tell you why we're still a congregation today is we preach something for certain and we stand for what's right and we let God guide us at every service. You sang worship songs tonight. That was to draw you to God so you could hear the word of God. It was to moisten your spirit with the water of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, so that your, your soil, your ground could receive the engrafted word of God that's what's going to keep us church strong, and that's what's going to make us ready for heaven. And we're closer than you can even believe tonight. Politicians are saying we're 10 to 12 years to the end of the world. I don't even know whether we're that far away. I don't see how we can continue going down the road we're going in a godless society. Somewhere we need a church that's strong. I believe this with all of my heart. We're going to have revival because there's people in our world that are tired of religion. The millennials are tired of religion. They're tired of being made to go to church by their parents because there was nothing satisfying there. Thank God for a Sunday school. You ought to see what the Sunday school has done over here. Thank God for a Sunday school that teaches our children at an early age. Thank God for a youth group that teaches our young people to be separate from the world. Thank God for a church that we're going to live a lifestyle that a world can say, hey, I want to be what you are. John chapter 15, verse 14 said, Ye are my friends, if you do so whatsoever I command you. We don't like that word command, but Jesus used it often. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So, so many preachers today are trying to get away from the word command, and they don't, they don't ask anything out of their church, their people, and, and their churches are dying. And I, I, I've read to you about the mass mobs trying to just infuse a church congregation by showing up, filling the building up, and one of the supporters couldn't even find a seat that Sunday morning. But the next Sunday, there's only 50 people there. That's not the answer. The answer is worship. The answer is preaching. The answer is you living it. The answer is you being a witness, as was already stated. The answer is to live what God has called you to be and let it work. Because there's somebody out there that's just as hungry for God as you are. I'm sorry. We're not oddballs. We're not the off-scouring of the earth. There's people just like you 
that want to live for God out there. All they need to do is see somebody that's true, somebody that's right, somebody that believes what they preach, somebody lives what they preach. Now, let me just, let me just say a few little things real quick here. Don't go out of the church and live like the devil and come to church and try to live like a saint. Jesus said you have to choose one or the other. Make up which one you're going to serve. You're going to serve the world or the devil? Serve him. If you're going to serve God, serve God. Why not just give God your all? We're at the end of the world. Why not just make it the best thing you can do right now is to live for God with everything that's in your spirit. I love this church. I love the spirit that's in this church. Uh, and I know that our elder would be proud of this day if he was able to see the growth, the development, and all that's going on uh, and the continual of our branch works and what have you. I know he would be proud of it all. But how horrible would it be for this church to be empty? No more preaching. No more anointed singing. No more anointed Musicians, no more anointed worship. Every pew vacant. Mass mob come in to try to uplift it. Oh, no, we don't need that. I'll tell you what we need. We need what we had just a little while ago, some true worshipers that's not ashamed to lift their hands to worship God and make the church as strong as it can possibly be. I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm not talking about being demeaning. I'm not talking about telling people they're going to hell. I'm telling you what we need to do is tell people, as was already stated, we need to tell them how good God is, what God has done for you. Oh, hallelujah. I go to church because I'm fed. I go to church because I get what I need. If you don't get what you need, you may not be searching for it. The Bible tells us to seek, and it shall be found. Reach for it. Old Brother Shoemaker, Boar Shoemaker, dead and gone on to his reward. But I never will forget him preaching at Fraser Park camp meeting. And he got to talking about the old days when you had to pull a string for the light. Now you just push a button, flip a switch. I don't know of anybody. I don't know of anybody looking you over. I don't know of anybody that's living in a one-room deal with a ch chain in the middle with one little light bulb. But he, he was talking about the good old days when they were young and they lived in the house, and that's all the light they had, and they'd come in at night, and they'd have to start reaching for that chain in the darkness, and they'd finally find it, and they'd turn the light on. And he was using that as an illustration that you need to reach for God and search for God. Reach for him. Search for him till the light comes on. Don't give up on church just because you didn't get what you want. Don't give up on God just because you didn't get what you wanted. Start searching for him. Reach for him. Reach for it. Reach for it. What are you hungry for? What do you need? I'm telling you, this church needs to be a soul-saving station. We're in the right area. We're in the right town. We're in the right state. We're in the right place right now for revival. 
You know what's going to bring revival? It's not reading some documentary. It's not showing some film. It's having an apostolic service where somebody can be convicted of their sins and change their lifestyle and want to be right when Jesus Christ comes. Oh, somebody shout with me. Somebody worship right now. It's time for the Holy Ghost to do a work in somebody's life. We don't want a weak church. We want a strong church. We want a right church. We want to be right with God. If the world doesn't like us, that means we're probably right with God. If the world's upset at us, we're probably right with God. In the climate that we are in our world today, anything goes out there. But not with God. You have to be right with God. I must go on. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 4. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which we command you. I'm talking about command and teach. He said these things command and teach. Now, there's an Old Testament scripture that our elder used to use an awful lot. He said, great peace have they that love thy law. And few of you remember it, huh? Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's a hard scripture. I understand it's hard scripture. But when you're really a Christian, nothing from the word of God offends you. Romans 1, Acts 2, nothing offends you. Because we believe in truth. We believe in the word of God. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I'm here just to tell you today, we want a strong church. We want a vibrant church. We want a revival church. We want somebody's life to be changed eternally so that when they arrive at the gates of that city, the Lord will say, come on in. Welcome. Hallelujah. Let me read on. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which you have received of us. He commanded these things. Command and teach these things. You are to withdraw yourself. You know, we don't believe in withdrawing ourselves from people that are good and righteous and even sinners or wicked people. In this sense, if they're needing God or they're hungry for God, go to the depths. To reach them. If somebody needs salvation, don't be afraid to reach where they are. Don't be afraid of their clothing, their words, their conversation. I had to learn a good lesson myself not long ago when I got a long text, which every other word was a curse word. Finally, I said, let's go to lunch. They said, stop. I'm embarrassed now. Well, I could have took offense. And, man, that's probably my nature to have an anger problem. So I could have said a lot. I said, let's go to lunch. They said, stop. It stopped them in their tracks. Somewhere, let's be Christian. I must go on. Proverbs 4 and 13. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Instructions is a way of life. 
Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. 2 Thessalonians 2, 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. That's either by preaching or by letter. And I, I've kind of been on this little, little bit lately in my mind. Why, why is there an extreme religion way out there that will cut your head off for violating their principles? And we can't hardly keep some young people away from the world. You know what we really need? We need a baptism of good old teaching our kids how to dress, how to talk, what words to say. Let our kids get the good jobs. Let our young people have courteous ways about them. We'll have a strong church if we'll teach our children how to address adults. Our world doesn't teach their kids how to address adults. There is so much rebellion in the streets today, and you wonder why a policeman would ever want to be a policeman today. And I know we've got bad policemen, and they need to be, they need to be purged from the force. I realize that, and I'll be the first to say it. But where's the respect? Where's the respect for authority? We'll have a strong church if we'll teach our children to respect authority. Bankers will hire our young people if they know how to treat customers right. Oh, hallelujah. What time is it? It's time to quit. Music, come. That'll give me a warning. I may not heed it, but give me a warning. 2 Timothy 1.13, Hold fast that former sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10 and 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for it is faithful, for he is faithful that promised. But that which thou hast that ye have already hold fast till I come. I'm going to try to finish with these words. Somewhere, we've got to teach our young people and our families how strong the church should be so that we don't lose a generation. I'm thinking of a group of people that lost a whole generation of people by misappropriating the word of God, teaching something that was so far-fetched from the Word of God. They lost a whole generation of young people. We can't afford to lose our kids. We can't afford to lose a generation of young people. It's time for us as parents and grandparents to say, that dress is not right, those pants are too tight, those things are not right, the world's still wrong, we don't talk that way, we don't act that way. Sissy curse words. We got to be careful with our conversation in all holy manner of conversation. Somewhere, church, uh, if we're going to be strong and a strong church, we got to have somebody stand up before us and say, We don't do it that way. We're apostolic, we're Christian, we're God fearing, God Bible believing Christians deep in our souls. Somebody believe what I'm trying to preach to you? We have to really believe what we are and who we are if we're going to save our kids from a world that says everything is okay. Nothing's wrong. If you feel it, do it. 
No, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God wants. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. What he's telling us, Paul's writings, John the Revelator's writings, all of those are saying stay strong, church. Stay with what you've believed. Teach your children that what you go to church in, you go to the beach in. You ride horses holy and godly, men and women. We're separate from the world. Once you start letting down, you give the devil an inch, he'll be a ruler. Once you give in, there's no stopping place. Brother Booker wrote a great book. What a difference a line will make. What a difference a fence will make. Once you tear down a fence and move it, for whatever reason you move that fence, whatever reason you move that fence, the same reason would be to move it again and move it again and move it again. And pretty soon there's no fence anywhere that protects the church, protects people. I don't have time to go into the Grand Canyon fence story. But Grand Canyon had lost a lot of people over the edge because there were no fences in certain areas. Now there's fences and protection because people always go to the limits. Thank God for a fence. Thank God for truth. Thank God for the preached word of God. Thank God for holiness. Thank God for the church. He said, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man steal your crown. I preach Sunday morning. We preach. You received. You stand and you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. I want to live the way he wants me to live. I want to love. Give to pleasure to love, oh, love, love to there's just no more love. I could never, never out love the Lord. Sing it with us. I want to live the way he wants me to live. I want to give to just no more to give. I want to love, love to. 
sing it again. I want to live the way 